Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome once again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast presented by Consequence of Sound. I am one of your co-hosts for this evening. I am a senior writer at Consequence of Sound, and my name is Justin Gerber, and in front of me is... Editor-in-Chief Michael Rothman. And in front of you, Mike, and to my right... Mike? (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure, if you want to tell me it is. (laughs) It's Mackenzie Gerber, and uh, I am a contributor to Consequence of Sound... And really happy to be here with uh, with you two uh, to talk about uh, some uh, Stephen King news and, and hot tweets. That's hot right. Tweets always with the hot tweets is Stephen King. Uh, let's get, hey, you know what? Let's get this party started. As Will I Am once <laughs> sang, sure. Time for some needful tweets. Let's do it. He's not a human being. Oh, don't you see what he's done? Kill them all. Let God sort them out. All right. Now, we're going to skip ahead to July 9th mm. when King tweeted, The news is real. The president is fake. Now, we all know that the president is fa- isn't fake. He's indeed. He's very real. Sitting on, uh, on Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. watching from above and complaining uh, endlessly. I which is, is six months running. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, he's still talking about the election, which is, you know, that's really Just great. get over it. You know, you it's, know, it's you funny, My least favorite part of the Dark Tower books is probably the depiction of the Crimson King. But that's all I can see Trump doing is just stomping <laughs> up and down. Throwing fireballs. Going, <laughs> yeah. Throwing, yeah, throwing, uh, throwing bombs uh, off the tower. Um, because that's about as much as we can expect from him. Um, we also did get another uh, a note I think from a from a listener, um, they weren't too happy about the the political. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, listen, I'll tell you right now: if if King does not talk about Donald Trump in his tweets, we're not going to bring up Donald Trump unless we talk about Greg Stilson, right? So you know, it's just this blame King. Yeah, we just finished the dark, the dead zone, so yeah, it was so only natural King. that we, we talked about. <laughs> I mean, granted, Trump. there's a character named Donald Trump in Roadwork, but other than that, I think we're going to be fine. <laughs> It's a lead character, right? Lead character. Yeah, right. Uh, Well, on July 10th, uh, King was out doing Sony's, you know, work by saying, uh, the Dark Tower is coming. Three weeks and change. As Roland would say, be there, do ya? You know, don't you wonder what's going on in his head right now? Like, you know, he wrote these these books almost 40 years ago at this point, at least the first one. And finally, you know, generations have come, come and gone and... It's finally coming out. People have died. Fans have died waiting for Not just adaptation. fans. Many people have died in the last 40 years. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and now it's going to come out. And, you know, we talked about ad nauseum on the program, but... <sighs> well, you know, it was yesterday that I think there was like a thing from the Dark Tower publicity that said, you know, was, we were 19 days away. Yeah. And I could have cared less. Yeah. It was like, like so sad. Because that I was your publicity? I so excited about that. Yeah. Oh, just fantastic. Yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> but uh, it's okay, though, because on July 11th, King tweeted, Russia helps Trump get elected. Trump makes nice with Russia, perhaps easing sanctions. 
It's the art of the deal. And just another like base tweet. There's nothing inventive about There's that nothing really tweet or, or, or clever. Yeah. I mean, but I guess it's kind of a nice little snub because if he is the uh, master of the art of the deal, um, he hasn't really been closing anything. That's very true. <laughs> so true. it's a nice little snub on uh, King's part. On uh, July 16th, now this is news that we all felt, um, was the death of George A. Romero. Mm-hmm. And uh, King, who was, you know, They've worked together in the past. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're friends. He tweeted, Sad to hear my favorite collaborator and good old friend, George Romero, has died. George, there will never be another like you. I agree. There won't ever there won't. be another filmmaker like him. I mean, he kind of started, he restarted the horror genre <laughs> for, mm-hmm. you know, 70s filmmakers like John Carpenter and Toby Hooper. Um, I mean, I think even Spielberg would probably point to some influences from George Romero. Maybe that's a stretch, but <laughs> I was say, well, that's a little that bit of a stretch, but, uh, I, I think Orson Welles, uh, look, no, <laughs> <laughs> now, as you know, uh, Romero is responsible for which adaptations. Yeah. He, well, creep show, obviously he didn't direct creep show too, but he did. I believe he produced creep show too. Mm-hmm. had a hand in it and it has and that, the raft, which is a King's short story. Love the raft. And then years later, the, uh, Timothy Hutton star, the dark half, and a lot of false starts because I know that he was possibly going to do The Stand. I think Pet Cemetery was a rumor for a while there, too. I mean, they really got along well. He li- he loved the way that Romero saw his work. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, we could go on. We can't. Let's, you know, let's go on for a little while about let's Romero. Go, yeah, I think He's earned should. it. I mean, what's your earliest memory of George Romero? Was it Night of Living Dead or was it something else? Uh, I actually feel I watched Dawn of the Dead first mm. and then went back to Night of the Living Dead when I found out that that was the one that started it all or whatever. And maybe I actually saw Night of the Living Dead when I was much younger and I just don't remember it because you used to play a lot of the, you know, on TVS or TNT. No copyright, so you could go on YouTube and watch it right now. Yeah. Um, my, my first was Vincent Price's Creepy Classics. Yes, that's right. Where they'd show the clips. Of, it was all the trailers, I think, and, and some clips. For um, Night of the Living Dead, it was just some clips from that they showed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was always my first uh, introduction to that, uh, you know, probably didn't even know who George Romero was at the time but um you know soon after obviously we dove into that and then Dawn and Day and yeah I didn't even know Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead were sequels to Night Living Dead at all really I, I would see those boxes at the video store but because my little mind could not understand why the living part wasn't in the titles I just dismissed them immediately I said fuck this and I burned them to the ground <laughs> what do you, um, no. what do you prefer uh, <laughs> night like night zombie. dawn or day what do I prefer oh, yeah that's it's it's it really is apples and oranges, and I know it's it's such an easy way to back out of that with a non-answer. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's hard to compare the two because they're just so they're so different. Even though Don was still rel- relatively cheap, I like how you said the two. <laughs> you just totally oh, let's make Day this abundantly clear. <laughs> Day of the Dead's got its fans. The makeups, the the makeup effects are uh, outstanding in Day of the Dead. Probably That's the as most good as jarring. they've been. Yes, yeah. especially the climax and the opening. Yeah. But there is no story there. So we can go ahead and dismiss Day of the Dead outright for me. I do love Night of the Living Dead, but Dawn of the Dead has always been my favorite. I've always gone back to that. I love watching it. I can watch it, you know, every year, every day, you know, every night. Well, every dawn? Hour. <laughs> every dawn. Uh, no, but and then Day of the Dead, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I never really liked it. Um, you know, our, our, our friend Dan Caffrey and, and uh, fellow loser, uh, he, he's a real Day of the Dead troll, as uh, they call them. But, <laughs> but uh, Caffrey likes Day yeah, of the Dead. Oh, yeah, he's a big Day of the Dead. Wow, I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. Uh, mm-hmm. He'll love that. Here's what I love about Dawn of the Dead. You like, you really like those four 
main characters, correct? Mm-hmm. Who, who, do you, who do you like in Day of the Dead? Who? Captain Rhodes? Like Dr. Frank, Professor Frankenstein, whatever they keep calling him? Yeah. Well, a, a annoying characters to have in that thing. And then the, and then the three leads, I guess, uh, who, uh, unmemorable. I, I think you're supposed I to like, like, They're whining a lot. There's a lot of whining going on. I, I don't know. Who cares? I think you're supposed to like um, the zombie. Oh, Bub. Oh, Bub. Yeah. Bub, of course, who played, who starred in a bit role in The Stand. Yeah. And was also in Seinfeld as Elaine's ex-boyfriend. who Love that episode. Ayla Pasta. I think the, the Junior Men episode, actually. That's yeah. Bub. How about yeah. that little tidbit for you? Well, what about the latter George Romero dead flicks? Like, uh, oh, I... You know, we didn't mention Land of the Dead. I do think Land of the Dead is actually like a, a pretty Dead. smart movie, especially looking back. It's a smart you know, commentary. I, I, I like... I, I generally liked Land of the Dead when it first came out, but I the whole... I, I guess I, I could never really get on board with, like the zombies like using weapons because yeah. I felt like th- it just totally defeats the purpose of what a zombie is. Um, so I didn't really like it going that route, but I didn't think the, the movie was awful. I thought it was actually pretty interesting and it actually felt like a dead movie considering, mm. you know, yeah. um, the fact that it had been so many years since uh, day, but the fa- the movies that would follow, you yeah. Like survival of the dead, mm-hmm. diary, diary of the dead. I watched oh, dead. five minutes of Diary of the Dead, and they've got that introduction where they say, you know, we to add dramatic effect, we added music and and special editing here. I'm like, what? what? Yeah, it makes no sense. Oh, it's just, well, it's it falls a, into the the found footage doldrums of just the. It really, yeah, it was his attempt at that, but yeah. Um, I, I like Land of the Dead. I do wish that they could have added an extra hour, actually, like make it as epic as possible. Me, yeah, I mean, yeah. this is your story that you're going to go big, and, and it's kind of hard. When it's not even as long as Dawn of the Dead, and you have this crazy huge premise, and it, I thought they earned it. I thought they could have gone longer, and you could have expanded the characters a little bit more, seen the whole land a little bit more. And granted, yeah. I think it was also budgetary restrictions, but well, they had a great cast. The Guizamo. I mean, look at The Walking Dead now. If if Land of the Dead had had been a television series, yeah. Uh, and he had gone that route. I think it would have been oh, like, way more successful, and I, obviously people would have loved it because uh, you know, and maybe not at the time, but you know, what, what can you do? I, I wish I wish we had gotten that and not The Walking Dead. I think <laughs> to go back to the, the earlier point, just about Romero and his legacy. I think it was I think it was Dan Caffrey once again, fellow loser Dan Caffrey, who's not here to say this, but he made a good point of saying how Romero did not make a lot of movies overall over the fifty year career. Yeah, but. I mean, especially those Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. I mean, the impact. And he, cre- he, he created the genre. I mean, there had been zombie-esque movies before that. You know, obviously, White Zombie and um, the last, I forget, the Vincent Price film. Well, the from mythology the of the zombie was out there. Yeah, it was out there. But this, the way that you see zombies now is because of George Romero yeah. and Night of the Living Dead. This yeah. is, I mean, it's just a fact. Even Greg Nicotero on Walking Dead, that was one of his comments was, you know, Walking Dead would not be here without without George, Rom- George A. Romero. Well, fun fact, uh, we actually were, um, we actually had a, one of our constant listeners happens to be uh, related or involved with uh, the band The Zombies and uh, reached out to us uh, post uh, the Romero news and said that uh, she thought it was very funny that um, Romero is, you know, he's the grandfather of the, the zombie genre. And the band, though, Predates Night of the Living Dead by like half a decade, yeah. if not more, right. and so they've always they're always asked like, "Oh, were you involved? Were, were you know, were you in, were you influenced by Night of the Living Dead?" And they're like, "No, we were around before it." <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so I thought that was kind of cool, cool little uh, 
Thanks know. to that constant listener out there. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. it was awesome. And um, but yeah, I it's it, it's a bummer. I mean, he was old. He, he's he, you know he's an older seventy seven. I think seventy seven. Yeah. Um, well, I had just read something that he was going to produce another dead movie, but not direct it. Yeah. And is that still That's, happening? I think it's. I think they already maybe filmed it. I'm not sure 100, mm-hmm. percent but we'll see. You know. Um, yeah. And obviously, I think in November actually we'll be covering Creepshow in pretty good detail. Because that's one of the original King works that we're going to do. Prediction. I imagine that uh, film that he produced at the end, it's going to say in memory of George George A. A. Romero. I will double down on that. Yeah. Yeah. Guarantee it. Well, we also have uh, some great content involving uh, Romero on the site. Uh, actually, Justin, you were there. Yeah. You're busy uh, this week, but uh, my executive editor, um, <laughs> that's right, <laughs> uh, Matt Mellis, uh, he was actually from Butler, Pennsylvania, which is right near Evans City, Pennsylvania, which is outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and that is the real land of the dead. Yep. And we basically um, went out there to go visit Matt. Uh, by we, I mean me and Justin. Last August, and uh, we were just expecting to go to Monroeville Mall. Not even the other sightings, because I just thought, you know, not the sightings, but the other locations. <laughs> um, and it was great. I mean, we had a whole day of just location, location, location for all these dead movies. No no day of the dead. It was just the dawn of <laughs> We night. didn't kill it in the islands. Yeah, yeah, we didn't go to the islands um, or Florida. We... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was incredible, because, I mean, obviously the Monroeville Mall has changed a lot over the last 40 years. Yeah. But that cemetery is still the same. It looks exactly the and same. It's, it's, it was pretty eerie out there. It was a beautiful yeah. day out too. I remember it was, it was hot a, as hell. Yep, it was very but hot. But it was still very, you kept kind of looking over your shoulder and that's yeah. the power of that movie 50 yeah. years later and the, in broad daylight knowing it's not real and you're still reacting to it. Timeless masterpiece. Timeless masterpiece. It'll always be there even if the copyright's not there. It'll always be timeless. <laughs> I would say Night of the Living Dead for me is scariest mm-hmm. but Dawn is probably the most enjoyable. I would, I could agree with that. I would agree with that. So I'm not necessarily scared by Don. Yeah, a good friend of mine, Walter Mac knows Walter. Uh, we, we will leave his name out for anonymity yeah, for some reason, but why not? <laughs> I know him. Uh, he made a good point about that. He said, "Is Don of the Dead really even a horror movie?" And I think because of the, it's very graphic and it's violence, and there are there are a lot of scary moments in it. But it's almost just a strange dystopian drama. Ultimately, yeah. especially for most of the movie, it's just seeing four people hold up in a mall. Yeah. trying to survive and try and act as normal as possible. Surrounded by a consumerism. <laughs> I mean, we could have a whole podcast on yeah. Dawn of the Dead alone. Yeah. I, I love it. I but love that movie. What, that's, I mean, that's what's, so best, that's what's so great about it. I mean, if they didn't spend the time developing those characters, we didn't care. No. But you really care about each one of them, even if you didn't like them, mm-hmm. like, like Flyboy or whatever. Uh, and, and I feel like that is the, the problem with like the remake. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's too fast. Too furious. You spend no time with <laughs> these is. people, and you just don't care when they do meet their end. And I think that's lost in a lot of horror these days. Uh, agreed. So wait, rest in peace to George A. Romero. See you soon, George. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, on July 17th, my brother's birthday, actually, mm-hmm. uh, King tweeted, I like Amazon as much as anyone, I guess, but leave food prep to the people who understand it and do it well. That would be Blue Apron. Seems to me that uh, King is doing his own little uh, marketing. Is, uh, Stephen King working for Blue Apron? Yeah, he's sponsored by Blue Apron. I'll I tell you what, he, he think, soon will be. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Sleeping Beauties is sponsored by Blue Apron. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, I'd like to be sponsored by Blue Apron. You hear that? We would love to sponsor uh, Most podcasts I listen podcasts. to are, are sponsored by Blue yeah, Apron, I swear they, to they God. They are, they are. Well, I haven't you, tried it yet. You know what? I think what happened was he, he heard our last episode. <laughs> 
uh, where I was promoting Amazon. Oh, that's true. Oh, right. <laughs> and he was like, uh, listen, guys, uh, I'm not a big fan of Amazon Blue Apron all the way. What can you do? What can you do? I'm not going to use Blue Apron. No, I'm just kidding. I think I have to start. I, I, before Blue Apron, I think I need to learn how to cook first. I think yeah. that might be also a big help. I just go get takeout all the time. We live in Chicago. There's still That's great right. food here. Hey, Come on. Chinese takeout. Chinese takeout. Terrific. Well, the last tweet is also a sad one. Mm. Uh, it happened today, July 18th. King tweeted, sorry to hear David Cronenberg's wife, Carolyn, has passed away. That is very sad. Oh, that that is, is very, very sad. I didn't even know. That's awful. Yeah. yeah, I mean. That's sad. What happened? I don't know. This, I mean, this happened pretty. Yeah, I guess. Short, I mean, this happened shortly. a few hours ago. Oh, so. like no details. Yeah. Well, that's that's but that's never good. That's a bummer. That's and a, yeah, major obviously, major. the king yeah. connection there would be the dead zone with Cronenberg too. So yeah. I mean, they probably know each other. Often, I'm not sure how well they know each other, but yeah, I actually don't know. I've never really heard anything about their connections. That'd be yeah. something to look into Definitely. for sure. Well, on a positive note, uh, there are plenty of photos of Molly, who uh, the thing of evil mm. is uh, King Scorgy. Corgi. And uh, there's some great photos of Molly destroying beach balls, uh, a little puppet that was on a doorknob that looked like Mr. Bill. Uh, and uh, my favorite was seeing Molly sleeping on its si- on her side like a loaf of bread. That's right. <laughs> I think really... he even yeah, called out the Mr. Bill reference. He did. The great old Saturday Night Live sketch from the oh, no. mid set There it is, Mr. Bill and Mr. Hand. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was a cute, cute, little, uh, cute little bit, and uh, that's a cute little dog, and I'd love to squeeze it. It's a little... I think I don't know if dogs like it when, when humans squeeze them. No, they don't. But I love it, and it makes me feel good. <laughs> as me as a human, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Who cares about animals? <laughs> I think that wraps our needful tweets, and it's time to head to <sighs> spooky news. Yeah, Hollywood King. <laughs> Hollywood King. Let's do it. There's a town on the coast of Del Sol. Always find my way there. There's a place that the calls to my soul. Always find my way there. People there are forever young, forever young. All right, well, let's get back to it. Guess what? We've got some Dark Tower news. And I say news with quotation marks around it. Am I right? Yeah, yeah a joke. It's not really news. <laughs> it's no. just more of the same. It really is. It is. It's, it's very more of the same. It's, in fact, so more of the same that the latest trailer that has been dubbed an international trailer uh, basically is a reworked version of the original trailer. (laughs) Although there's some, you know, there's some new footage, footage, but not much, you know, there's, there really isn't. I mean, it kind of shows the movie in a slightly different light. Aesthetically, it still looks the same, but you know, what it does is the, like the last minute of this trailer makes it like, if I didn't know what the Dark Tower was, I, I might be excited for it because it's like super action packed. And they really, the last minute of the trailer and how they set up and the lines that Idris has and stuff is cool. But I'm like, wow, this is absolutely not capturing anything that the books were. So I'm just really confused. I, I don't know if that's just, if they're just trying to do that to draw people in. Um,. But it's sad. To me, I, I just, I'm not looking forward to this anymore. And, and I feel like last week I we, was. We feel so beaten down at this point. <laughs> it's just, I mean, well, I mean, honestly, we've got how many, like three weeks, four weeks? We have about two, two weeks. weeks? Two, we three two weeks. weeks oh, my God. Like, I don't know what else I can possibly say. I guess we're going to have one more Needful Tweets up or one more. I mean, I guess we're going to have one more episode where we can discuss this. I'm, I'm assuming there'll be more news in a couple of weeks. No, but. I think I think that week we'll actually have a, 
the review then. Oh, so this that, is pretty much the last review that we're able to do. Wow. Yeah, you're right. That would be it. Oh, my God. Well, if we get a screening ahead of time, maybe we'll have something to say about it. If we get a screening ahead of time. I don't even know if that's going to happen uh, I, I mean, point. I don't know if we're going to get a screening. But there are some things that did come out. Um, you know, there is a soundtrack that is going to be accompanying this movie because uh chunky xl is involved we and that heard, is a good composer we did so. hear some of that in the new trailer too yeah and we heard some of the music and uh it sounds like a uh, very inception-y um it's not using the old uh, sergio leone music i think uh that they had from before but uh yeah i mean i don't know the trailer still looks like it'll be an entertaining movie <laughs> uh we have some you know more headlines to go over involving the dark tower that probably puts a a damper on any more hope that we have for this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are some track, uh, based on the track list that came out for this soundtrack, it does look like we're going to get some big things, uh, from the books. We got you the know. guardian is in there. That's one track. Um, Thinny's mentioned Manny village is in there. Manny village, Keystone earth. So they're really going to start talking about all this Dix the Dixie pig, which yeah. you saw in some of the earlier footage. Um, and hot dogs. <laughs> Which I'm wondering what the hell that is. Well, maybe, maybe maybe Roland likes to eat a hot dog or something that's, in New York. Uh, that's what's going well, I mean, it's very um, drawing of the three-esque, I guess, yeah. that happens. So there you yeah. go. It could be. Uh, also related to the Dark Tower, Stephen King is headlining the new issue of Empire, uh, if you remember Empire Magazine, uh, in a new cover story called World of the King. Um, he basically talks about the long tenure in production limbo and... Uh, there's a few in- intriguing anecdotes that have already leaked out uh, from the actual story. And he talks about how Akiva Goldsman and Ron Howard came on board in 2010 and how they originally suggested Javier Bardem as Roland, as we all know from before. And eventually that, I think, became uh, Russell Crowe. And then I think Viggo Mortensen was uh, was rumored to be yeah. attached at one point. But Akiva was basically the one that suggested the three movies in two TV show idea. I think I believe it was Akiva and Ron Howard that did. Yes. I think the real turning point was when they decided that this was going to be the second go around of Roland. Yeah. And that's when I think even King maybe said that he started thinking like, oh, this is actually maybe going to turn into something. Because yeah. at that point, they didn't feel like they had to adapt the mm-hmm. books, which is why, you know, J.J. left. And because they, they were just like, they were almost too big of fans to try to turn it into a, a series because how, what do you do? How do you make that a show? How do you cut it? Now, I'll tell you right now, the Losers Club here, we could do it. Yeah. Uh, we have great many ideas. I'm sure we've talked about it at long length. And uh, and we could uh, successfully turn this entire original series into something. But um, well, know, And we did, based on our article, uh, Behold the Stephen King Cinematic Universe, which we published uh, way back uh, in 2014. That's right. That's right. Um, and actually, uh, long before the news came out that this was a continuation, uh, Justin actually suggested that the series would be that yeah. in, the, in the piece. So... You know, we were on to something there. Um, we didn't suggest a media res or to start in the <laughs> middle as uh, Akiva Goldsman did. Uh, but, uh, you know, but they're, I don't they're know. Not. They're not doing that. They're not starting in the middle. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, start, the middle of the journey is kind of like how the gunslinger begins, I guess, with yeah. him in the middle of things. He's not, they're not starting from you know, him being a kid, I guess. So there you go. Right. 
Well, the really good news is that it was confirmed that the movie is 95 <laughs> minutes long. Great news. Yeah, so, yeah great uh, news. I, I still think that this story could be told in 95 minutes if you're going by the gunslinger. But mm-hmm. to go back to what we just discussed, it's not going to be just that. It's going to be literally like little pieces from all the books. So there's kind of a problem here. <laughs> it's well, jam-packed. It's yeah, going to be jam-packed. It's jam-packed for 95 minutes. And if this is going to be the foundation that you're they're trying to build upon, like it's not a very – to quote Danny Glover – uh, in Lethal Weapon, that's pretty fucking thin. A thinny. Yeah. Oh wow. The problem is, is that this trailer and and the idea of this movie makes it look like we're already at the the final confrontation between the Dark Man and Roland. Yeah. And 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 whether the tower is gonna gonna you know <laughs> rise, whether the tower is gonna fall or not. It, like like we've we've already, it's like this movie is the end. So it's like, well, where, where do you go from here then if you're already at this point? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, even if the movie ended with, like, you know, the dark man and Roland talking and then Roland, you know, wakes up on a beach and they go the route of, they still go the route of the books to an extent. You know, it's just a different, you know, wheel or whatever. And, like, what do you do? You've already done the tower, though. I mean, unless the, the tower is just, we just see it. And I think they, they could. Just I think. That, I think what we gonna... what we see of the tower in the trailers is just going to be him talking to Jake about what the towers yeah. are. When we see when we see what we see of the towers so far, it kind of be like in Lord of the Rings when they talk about Mordor. Yeah, you would see the, like, the eye and stuff like that. Uh, the story in the history for a, a, a company that's trying to set up a, a world building multi movie universe. What are you doing? Ninety five minutes. Like, yeah. I mean, it well, just seems look. like a waste. Now. You know, I hope I'm. I hope come you know the release of this movie, I'm eating my words, and that it's like a tight 95 minutes. Just it's every. It's like it, it's, it does a great job, just just summing it up and and presenting this with us, and and we want more. You know, when it's over, but, but I just don't think that's gonna happen. Look, we just but saw I, Dunkirk, I and that was 102 minutes, probably 90 minutes, with uh, if you take the credits out. But Dunkirk is a very literally it's an isolated movie. Yeah. <laughs> it takes place on a beach yeah, it or around have the any beach. Ties to seven and, and there's, there's not going to be six sequels to this or yeah, a TV right. series. So no. Well, they've already I, started you know, working on the TV series. Apparently, uh, you know they, yeah. they had all. One of the other headlines was that you know they had written the first episode and that Idris Elba is probably going to be involved if it goes ahead. Yeah. If it if, goes ahead, and it was and one. it was going to do Wizards and Glass, which it makes was, perfect sense, yeah, which would be great. Yeah, you have narrate for two I, seconds, I, and that's it. I guess I'm just confused by Sony's approach to this. So you're funneling money into this anyway. You're not going to market it because you don't want it. You don't want to spend any more dollars on it. But you've already like accepted the idea that this is going to happen. You're going to make this movie. I just don't get why they're pulling back on it. You, you'd think that okay, this is our chance. Let's either pull this or really get behind it. I just I don't really understand what the reasoning is for this. I know this has become also just like another Sony podcast, but I mean <laughs> I, I don't know what they're thinking anymore. And at this point, I'm just waiting for it to come out. Just come out already. It's not even a fun. It's more of an anticipation. Like I just it's, it's not like a fun anticipation. No. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for this. I can't. I'm counting down. I'm counting down because I want it to be over with. Yeah. At this point, I, that's where I am personally. I know everybody else kind of different feelings about, but. I'm going to see it because it's the Dark Tower, and I have to see it. But I'm not going to. I'm honestly going in with, which 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 might be a good thing. I'm going with zero expectations at this point. So now maybe no matter what, my my experience will be better if it's anything. If it's anything better than awful, mm-hmm. that I'm just I'm I'm beaten on this already, and it's just it's too bad. 
Yeah. Well, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on from the Dark Tower to something that will probably be mildly better. I think it will be a lot better, actually. Let's go to It. Mm. Now, uh, there are a few headlines that came out about uh, the adaptation that's uh, going to hit theaters in September, uh, almost a month after The Dark Tower. Um, they, uh, the, there's been the Comic-Con that's coming up this weekend, and a lot of uh, media surrounding the film has been leaking uh, from the sewer. Um, and there are some great new photos, and we're going to share them on the socials. And there, a lot of them are just like promotional stills. Uh, a lot of them is also um, concept uh, art. Concept art that they had, and it yeah. definitely looks like they're trying to go for a Stranger Things vibe. I mean, the way that the flashlights are illuminating the certain things, the clothing, just everything. I mean, we've seen the trailer, so we know mm-hmm. what it looks like. It definitely has that vibe. But man, this one—I don't know. I, I feel really, really good about this one, actually. Yeah, I, well, I infinitely better than the Dark Tower for me, and. You know, look, the miniseries is not the greatest piece of television that ever was, but no. it does feature one hell of an iconic performance. And I think that what um, Scars- or Bill Skarsgård is going to have to do here is not only make it a totally different interpretation. Well, I guess, honestly, just make it a totally different thing. It doesn't yeah. have to be unbelievable. It doesn't have to be the greatest villain you've ever seen in cinema mm-hmm. history. Just make it your own thing because you, you want to avoid as many comparisons as possible. Oh, yeah. totally. You from, know? from the little that we have seen, I think, and the, just the direction this movie's going, and I haven't read the scripts or anything, mm-hmm. but I, I think that he's not even going to remotely try to do anything that Tim Curry did, which is smart. I mean, I think you've got to make it your own thing. And whether it's good or bad, at least the guy gave it a shot. And clearly he's a King fan, Um because we'll have some other news coming up soon, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I am really excited to see the movie. I, I wasn't thrilled about the photos. I liked the couple of promo photos from the actual film, but the, all the concept art looked exactly the same as anything that we've ever already seen. I didn't think they showed anything brand new. Maybe a little bit of the inside of what the sewers that the barons are supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. But I, I again, I, I just keep comparing it to the the, the television miniseries and. Man, that nothing's gonna beat that picture of the Barons, uh, in my opinion. Like that, that little sewer opening is not it for me. But what can you do? Well, we'll see when, when it's coming out. September? Yeah, September 9th. God, it's gonna be a crazy yeah. month of I King. Right I there. can't wait. But we, we, there's, you know, there are a couple of interviews that are involved mm-hmm. with the the cast and the crew. Uh, Rolling Stone interviewed Bev herself, Sophia Lillis, and uh, she. It was like a more of a personality kind of fun interview. She talked about how she likes teaching herself to play the piano, and uh, she's apparently taking roller skating lessons, which makes me feel incredibly old. Um, and she likes drawing. And um, there was one highlight though. Sounds like the most carefree. She sounds great. She like sounds like, like all fun, of us, like all of our childhood. I wish know, I could be like, like that. this. Yeah, I don't have to huh? worry about constant controversial shit left and right <laughs> on the fucking internet. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, but she did make some comments about Pennywise hmm. and this is kind of telling. I thought actually, uh, do you want to read it? Yeah, I'll, I got it right here. It's, yeah. uh, so she writes, so she, she, she writes, writes. She, wrote, she wrote her editorial <laughs> yeah. for Rolling Stone. No, she says in her review, we actually weren't allowed to see him until our scenes because we wanted the horror to be real. Lewis recalls everyone had different reactions, but all of us were like, wow, what did we get ourselves into? One look at him and you know, he's a really scary clown that wants to kill us. I was a little bit shocked. She laughed. She laughs. But then he went up to me afterwards and was like, hi, how's things? He's really nice, but I didn't know how to react. I love that. I just, I, that's, that's hilarious. That's good. Yeah. Uh, kind of reminds me of like a sideshow Bob. 
in The uh, Simpsons when he used to be like all scary, <laughs> and then he'd be like, "Oh, hello, Bart." Um, but D Bart D, yeah, D Bart D, which is the Bart the. Um, yeah, I'm. In, I'm in, again. I'm interested in again. I haven't read the script, but I just I, I I'm I'm not I'm very interested in seeing how this plays out. Like him just being the scariest, evilest looking clown right out the gate. You know what I mean? Because like Tim Curry just looked like a dumb clown. You know what I mean? I mean it was he had the fangs every once in a while. Well, yeah, but I mean like he just he you were taken aback because it's just like a clown and and, and mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And it's yeah. like, it was more like what is he doing in the setting? Uh, and he played it like as a goofy clown, and then it would turn. So it was like almost like disarming a little yeah. bit, you know, or you understood why children were like drawn to him. But if he's just right out the gate, this scary evil clown, then like why are kids going to even go near this thing? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very interested in seeing it again. Everything we've seen, I've, I've, I've been very intrigued and, and I think it looks great. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. We, we will see. And uh, <laughs> one of the worries that we did have going into this movie is whether or not it was going to be R-rated. You know, in the past podcast, we confirmed mm-hmm. that the film is going to be R-rated. And it would seem as if that's a good thing. Um, I mean, we already know that's a good thing because we get all the violence and the gore and everything that we want. I just uh, want to see but, children being injured and, and hurt. <laughs> yeah, well, let, me, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> on screen, on the silver screen. But Andy Muschietti and... Uh, a sister, Muschietti. a sister Barbara. Yeah, uh, they both uh, were discussing with uh, Mad Movies what that R rating means. And uh, let's uh, somebody read the quote. It's a lengthy quote. We got we got two big quotes from Andy and one from Barbara. All right, I'll Mac. Do you want to read the Andy one up here? The read. Uh, yeah, sure. Clear your throat for this quote. Yeah, this is a long one. Get some water. Oh boy, uh, this is an R rated movie. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> I'm very happy about that because it allows us to go into very adult themes. Each loser knows a situation of despair on top of the terror of it and the fear of heights. Beverly's case is, of course, the worst because it's about sexual abuse on a minor. But each kid is neglected one way or the other. Bill is like a ghost in his own home. Nobody sees him because his parents can't get over Georgie's death. Of course, Ben is bullied at school. We don't know much about Richie's personality because he's the big mouth of the group, but we suppose he's also neglected at home and he's the clown of the band because he needs attention. Long story short, there's all sorts of difficult situations and we had the chance to tell them in a movie that faces directly those conflicts. In particular, the families of the young actors were very open-minded, so we could tell them about subjects that are normally very touchy. Uh, he continued, from our very first discussion with the people from New Line, it was understood that the movie was going to be rated R. Of course, it was already crazy, and they had, they started a story revolving around the, the death of children, but if you aimed for a PG-13 movie, you had nothing at the end. So we were very lucky that the producers didn't try to stop us. In fact, it's more our own moral compass that sometimes showed us that some things led us in places where we didn't want to go uh, probably the orgy scene is what oh, yeah. he's talking about. I think that's pretty much where <laughs> yeah. he's going at. But I mean, you know, I, that's I think that's great. I mean, By not having that scene is the best thing. Yeah, it's, it's funny because such a. I've I've read a couple drafts uh, earlier drafts, and the orgy scene is not in there. But the, apparently, there is another draft where there is an orgy scene, and apparently, I'm not kidding, Bowers like fucks a sheep or something like that. Oh God, uh, have not read that draft. Apparently, that's out there somewhere. The most have you read the latest draft that we received? I, have not read anonymously that. I don't want to read it. Yeah. But I, I at this point I actually said I don't want to read this draft. No. Apparently this is the closest one. Yeah. Um 
However, once again, where's Dan Caffrey? Because he's got all the hot scoop. He read it all. He read it, and he does think the latest one he read is the best. Yeah. So that gives me even more hope. So I did like a lot of what I read in those others, too. He said it was excellent. Yeah. So, um, oh, oh, here's the uh, quote from Barbara. Let's hear from Barbara. Here's Barbara. Uh, To tell everything, you won't find the scene where a kid has his back broken and is thrown in the toilets. We thought that the visual translation of that scene is something that was really too much. I guess it's not really a spoiler alert because it's not going to happen in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but for the rest, we removed nothing from our original vision, and we didn't water down the violence of any event. We believe the fans will be thankful to us for keeping the aspect of the novel in the movie. Well, for now, none of the people who saw the screenings left the theater. Haha. <laughs> I've got to say we escape a lot of objections thanks to the context of the story since the kids fear that feed the monster. And that's good. And I also want to go back to what um, Andy Muschietti said about Bev. They're not shying away from the abuse at all. No. Um, they're not shy away in either draft I read. I'm assuming they're really going to go for it. And that's good because there's nothing more horrific than that. So yeah, I, I, agree. I applaud them for including that in what's supposed to just be you know, an early fall big tentpole horror movie. So kudos to them. Yeah, it seems as if they're taking away the, like, the pop culture fears and making it a little mm-hmm. more like basic like, or more um, intimate, like stuff that actually seems a little more timeless. Yeah, which might be good. I mean, I don't think we needed to have. I think at one point there was rumors that they were going to have like the Scream Killer or something like that because you know these yeah, that horror was, movies, yeah, and that just would have been ridiculous. You know, um, too recent for us because yeah. even when we saw the miniseries back in '90, I mean, Richie was afraid of Michael Landon's "I Was a Teenage Werewolf," right. but that that movie was 35 years earlier. Yeah, where Scream is only 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it makes a huge difference. Black and white versus what just seems so modern in yeah. Scream. I don't know if it was so much rumored as, as people were speculating on what would be the pop culture things that would scare kids. Like Saw. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. Go, yeah. You have all these... Paranormal activity. You have all these, like, IPs just running around. Um, <laughs> God. God. Anyway, let's uh, let's move from Derry to Castle Rock. Castle Rock. Rock. Yeah, we, got, yeah. we got a couple uh, little headlines here. Does anybody want to take them? Yeah. I'll take it. Here um, here we go. Oh, I should make, you know, Max got the paper in front of him. This, he, he alluded to this earlier. Mac, uh, what's the big Castle Rock news this week? The big news that uh, it himself, Bill Skarsgård, is going to join the show. Yes. I can't wait for this uh, fucking show. I know. It's <laughs> great. Crazy. And, and hey, you know what? Watch out, people, because if, this, if, he's, if he's doing this, he could be doing more Stephen King properties. Yeah. And the guy's young. We, I mean, he might end up being in a lot of Stephen King properties. So no. We might have a new uh, king. Um, it looks like he's playing a young man with an unusual legal problem. That's that vague is vague. As hell. Yeah, <laughs> a mean, lot of this is oh, yeah. surrounding. Wolf of Castle Rock is just like the name of the law firm or something. Oh like my that. god, that would be just, awful. It's just, it's just a big uh, yeah, courtroom it is surrounding drama. a lot of courts. Stuff, yeah, a lot of them are surrounded. Which is kind so. of uh, kind of interesting. Think, like, I mean, I'm reading this here, but do you think that they're going to do a subtle Pennywise nod to him? I was wondering about that. It's almost really unavoidable, just right? Try to totally set themselves apart from this. If I mean, here's the thing. Right now, we all know how big of a hit it's going to be. But if it's a huge hit, then how, how do you avoid well, that? Because I, I think another thing is here, you can't tell it's Bill Skarsgård. And no one knows who he is. No. Yet. He's not a huge, huge, huge actor or anything. So, I mean, it might they might do something and fans might get it. but They could probably do something like, hey, really stop, trying, stop acting like a clown. Oh, thanks, Mike. And the freeze Mike frame Ryan in the episode the new, ends. Uh, yeah, by the way, Castle Rock. Show. You know, I would love it. I would actually like if they bring back the freeze frame because uh, there is a freeze frame in uh, another Castle Rock property, Cujo, um, at the very end. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. When the when the when Tad turns around, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Well, you know, there is uh, uh, also it's a 
a little late, but if you're out there today, <laughs> July 18th, they were holding a casting call in Maine. Uh, uh, no, not in... Um, oh, I'm sorry. In Massachusetts. Massachusetts, for yeah. For the Castle Rock show. So if you did get that news, uh, you know... Congratulations <laughs> on, on maybe going out there. And you went out there. Uh, hopefully you got in. And, and, and if you did get in, maybe send us a little inside scooperino. I agree. Uh, I don't know if... Um, uh, we'll be able to talk about any of that, though, because we don't want the Castle Rock people hunting us down. More importantly, though, keep – hey, listen. They're going to be filming for a little while. Keep eyes off for notices out there if you do live in that region because maybe you'll pop up on Hulu's Castle Rock. <laughs> Hulu's not sponsored, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just no. plug the hell out of them anyway. I do love Hulu, though. Hey. That's where I watch all my Seinfeld episodes. That means too. Um, let's see here. We Ladies got one more adaptation. Can one I take more. this one? Oh, you're taking it. I'm this is your favorite one. book. I want to say something right off the bat here. Before, okay, okay, can I say yeah, something ahead of time? Go for it. Go for it. I love Stephen King. All right, as we all know, I, I've been reading Stephen King for over twenty-five years. I would like to personally apologize for not enjoying Mister Mercedes. But I'll tell you what: we have a lot of listeners out there who love Mister Mercedes, and you know what I say to that? Good, good. We want opinions. We're all going to have different opinions on different books. Randall loves Tommy Knockers. I don't like Tommy Knockers. I mean, this is going to happen from time to time, and that's fine. Thank you, Mr. Mercedes. <laughs> In terms of the Mr. Mercedes trailer that dropped, I have not read the book. Mm-hmm. I've never read. Uh, and I will say, I thought the trailer was pretty good. Me too. I was really looking forward to, to seeing it. I mean, I love a lot of the... It's got a great cast. Great cast. And crew. Great and, crew. Uh, and I know... And I mean, Justin's torn this book down forever. So I, I kind of had like a, a little bit of a resentment towards it. Because I, I just kind of was like, well, what is this thing about? But seeing the trailer, I, I was gener- generally actually interested in it, and um, really looking forward to seeing it. I thought it was I thought it was a good trailer. I thought it looked the action looked pretty good. It does have a lot of action. Again, the cast is really good. I like the hacking. Ooh, and there's <laughs> yeah. the, hey, there's a lot of hacking going on in this. So yeah. I hope you, if you guys enjoy something like Mr. Robot, if you enjoy the <laughs> net, if you enjoy if you enjoy, hey, I love the net. Hackers. She orders pizza from a computer. Dennis Miller has a heart attack. Oh my gosh! But um, did he in in the in the old. That's right. Good yeah. God. Uh, so yeah, but the series premieres on the once again everybody's favorite <laughs> network. What's your favorite network? Is it Audience Network? You know what? I gotta say FX, but if I had to go with the second one, it probably would be the AT and T Audience Network. Yeah, that's right. I would also yeah. go with that. August 9th. My God, big month. Within within what thirty five days, we'll have the Dark Tower, it, and Mister Mercedes. I think we might have to rank all these adaptations. Oh, that sounds like a pretty something that we might do for August or September. All yeah. the Stephen King adaptations, including miniseries, TV series, and film, Mike. You know, Justin, it seems like we kind of have this idea already in place. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Keeping, keeping. Uh, why don't you keep an eye out for that, yeah. listeners? Keep an eye yeah. out for that. Oh, but you made a good point here, Mike, about the the trailer and the use of music. Oh, there was some King Crimson in there. You know, uh, King Crimson. Yeah. Crimson King? Yeah. Can't be a coincidence, right? No, nah, it can't be a coincidence. It's just a cool little nod. You might know that sample from Kanye West's Power. That's right. That's um, one of my favorite songs of all time. And also, what was the other one? Bigger, Stronger, Faster, Stronger? Uh, that that's one? a Daft Punk sample. That's that a Daft Punk sample. Which which is, is, uh, right. 2007's Graduation, which turns 10 this September. Well, I think uh, Consequence of Sound's going to be talking about Graduation as well. Probably. Yeah. We always do. We love Kanye. Keep, um, uh, keep an eye out for that as well. Well, we got one last story, and this is a fun one. Uh, this takes place in London Town, um, our favorite uh, setting from uh, Dunkirk. 
Um, <laughs> the, not the really. The fun uh, and yeah. like, uh, That would be France, yeah. but okay. Yeah. No, no, but I, they got to get to uh, London Town, basically. Well, they got to get to England. They got to England. Anyway, uh, Max is actually going to be in England soon, but he's not going to be here uh, during this event. Uh, they're... Uh, the British Film Institute announced that they're doing a Stephen King on screen uh, s- little festival that they're they're going to be having, um, and um, it's this sounds great. It sounds a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, um, this sounds really cool. It's going to take place at uh, the South Bank London location uh, from September first through October third. Great spooky season. Yeah, uh, mm. it's going to include screenings of uh, his classic adaptations such as Stand By Me, The Shining, Carrie, and Shawshank. There are going to be some talks and discussions, uh, and there's going to be a special Stephen King film quiz and a Stephen King summit. God, we got to get to those that. Are, we go to this. Those are probably his four best adaptations, Easily. too. Well, I don't want to crazy. spoil our uh, potential list here or anything. Oh, but yeah, true, true. That is, those are definitely uh, among his best. Uh, although it's, it's, missing, um, it's missing my personal favorite, which is uh, Return to Salem's Lot. So, well, listen, uh, that goes without saying. Yeah. Spoiler alert! Looking forward to my two thousand word dissertation on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- you know what's actually kind of cool about this is that they're going to be also be running a sidebar of films uh, alongside all the other festivities that um, uh, that are going to actually include some of his favorite films. Uh, King uh, handpicked uh, and curated yep. a whole uh, schedule for them, and it's, it's actually really cool. And we have uh, we five have, was it five films? Five films. Wow. And he commented on each one of them for uh, the BFI, which is was pretty nice. Do you want to go read yeah, some of these? Yeah, uh, the first is Night of the Demon, and he writes of Night of the Demon. Although it's old school, I love Jacques Tournier's Night of the Demon, a pretty wonderful adaptation of M.R. James' story, Casting the Runes. Tournier was a disciple of Val Luton, which means the horror here is pretty understated until the very end. Yeah, at the very end of this movie. Have you ever seen that, Night of the Demon? I have not seen it, no. You don't see the monster at all the entire movie. There's a lot of shadows. It's like It, it, it seems very... I hate like postmodern horror, but it yeah. really was. It seemed like very ahead of its yeah. time. But at the very end, you see the demon. It's well, I saw the demon from the the picture. Yeah, and it's the, just all right. and it looks why kind of just don't but. show the demon. Don't show it. Um, and then <laughs> the next movie he selected was 1960s Village of the Damned. I'm kidding. It's Village the of the Damned. I'm kidding. Village <laughs> of the Damned. On the subject of British horror uh, wrapped in a sci-fi bow, you can't do much better than Village of the Damned, directed by Wolf Rilla and, like Night of the Demon, shot in beautiful black and white. It's an adaptation of The Midwitch Cuckoos by John Wyndham, and George Sanders does a stellar job as a schoolmaster tasked with teaching some very strange pupils. That might be a little bit of a joke, because also their, their pupil and their eye, it's a... Uh, it's like it's white or yellow. So uh, it was uh, infamously remade by John Carpenter. Infamous uh, is the correct word. You, yes. you actually use infamous correctly. So yes. people don't use it correctly. No, no. Use it correctly. Yeah. Uh, but this next one is actually one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, we've got The Changeling, 1980. Uh, for, he says, for supernatural horror, I like Peter Maddox's film The Changeling, starring George C. Scott in perhaps his last great screen role. There are no mm, monsters bursting from throwing some chests. shade on uh... <laughs> There's no monsters bursting from chests. Just a child's ball bouncing down a flight of stairs was enough to scare the daylights out of me. And I agree. That scene terrified me as a kid. And there are some wonderful, like, real... It felt like very, um, like, how ghosts yeah. would actually be in real life. And yes, I do believe in ghosts. So. Still have not seen that movie. It's great. Can we got to watch it. Jack, did you see that? Or I've not seen The Changeling, no. Oh, we got to watch it this, this Halloween. It's, it's wonderful. I'll try my best. But I would say George C. Scott... Still get some pretty good performances in the 80s. Mm-hmm. He's got Angus also. Um, he's got Angus in the 90s, for God's sakes. <laughs> um, next one is a a good personal favorite of mine from the 80s, actually. Oh, he's got a couple really good ones here. I'll read yeah, the first yeah. one. Um, 1986 is The Hitcher. 
The Hitcher is a terrifying road movie stripped back to basics. What sets us apart, other than some spectacular stunts, is the amazing performance of Rucker Howard's and mysterious and homicidal John Ryder. Where'd you come from? asked the terrified kid Ryder's chasing. Disneyland Ryder whispers back. Howard's amazing in this movie. That's the first thing I saw him in as a kid. Really? And it scared the hell out of me. And then so I think, you saw this before Blade Runner? I saw this before Lady Hawk. <laughs> and Lady Hawk, he's like, he's the hero. He's, yeah, a, he's the hero say, knight. Uh, weirdly, the first thing I think I ever saw him in was Lady Hawk. And, oh, wow. and I, so I always thought he was like this awesome hero. He's been and a villain he so much. Did, he played a villain in like every single other thing I've ever seen. Him. Have you ever seen the Hitcher, Mike? No. Oh, it's oh, a disturbing, my. small. It's good. Yeah. And the kid is a young C. Thomas Howell. And Jennifer Jason Lee, one of her earlier roles as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to wrap it up, Mike, do you want to do this one? Yeah, or, I'll do. Uh, I'll do. I, oh, well, you go for it. You uh, like this movie. Yeah, you love this love movie. Fair. I it. love this movie. 1987's The Stepfather. He says, while we're talking about terrifying men who come from nowhere, there's the stepfather with Terry O'Quinn as the murderous but charming psycho looking for a family to love him. Love Terry O'Quinn, by the way. Love Terry O'Quinn. There's that classic moment when he goes blank and says, "Say, who am I this time?" <laughs> Before bludgeoning his wife with a telephone. Oh my gosh. That is one Agreed. of the best scenes yes. I've ever watched. And his performance in that movie is classic. We watched this at your place a few years ago. That's yeah, right. And yeah. we paused it at that scene and we watched it again. Yeah. It's so <laughs> it's eerie. So and he does it so well. Uh, I just remember, I mean, we love Terry Quinn and we love The Stepfather. Justin and I make fun of it all the time because we love it so much and we imitate, you know, that scene when he's in the basement and he's just. Want the perfect family. Just want the perfect family. <laughs> We oh, we, said, we did that to the point of where I don't think we've even done imitation and in twenty years until just now. Congratulations, everybody! <laughs> and you know what's great about that, and I you know I know our our listeners span many ages, but you know we love this movie way before Terry O'Quinn's lost fame. Oh, fifteen years before I lost. I mean, we we were watching this thing when we were way hey, too, listen, way too young. I was in on Terry O'Quinn back in the he's in Silver Bullet. He's, he's in, in the X Files. He's in the X Files. A couple episodes a couple and the movie yeah. and the movie. And he's also in, of course, The Rocketeer as Howard Hughes. So this is a really cool list. I'm really, really glad that uh, to see King, because, you know, we don't always agree with King's picks and choices for television as of late and whatnot. Um, but I'll tell you what, I am on board with all these movies. And I am even the too. movies I haven't seen, I, I, now I want, really want to see these other films. I, 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 Mac, I think you should stay there an extra month. Mac, oh, yeah, you yeah, stay on, on, on your own dime. On your no, own time. I, I am going to be in, in London soon, so if, if any of our fans are London-based, uh, reach out and and you know maybe maybe we can have some 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 King coffee. Yep. And get a I can, drink at a pub nearby. Or I can assure you, my brother's creep factor is only at like seventy-three. No, so no he's a fine. nice guy. Ooh, seventy-three. Ooh, I'll take it. It's like a seven point three. It's not that bad, huh? Hey, maybe we could, uh, you know, hold a like a Kickstarter thing to have our uh, have our. Oh, everybody really that us. would be obnoxious. <laughs> you imagine everybody just turn just, off for right? but, but, but like also have all of us go to London. You know, just on, oh like, yeah, dime. no, we do. We say like let's send poor Mac over there, but we ask for way too much money, yeah. knowing that the three of the other like the, the other five or six of us yeah. are going to go to. So we'd need, I think amazing. we'd need about like twenty grand, if not twenty five grand, for all of us to go over there. Probably, yeah. Well, maybe it can happen. <laughs> I think that's it for uh, Hollywood King. Hollywood King, but we've got some unfinished business to get to. Mm-hmm. Do we not? Yeah, we do. We got the the people's kingies. That's right, the people's kingies. The overwhelmingly <laughs> <laughs> positive response yeah. we received. Look, there are so many great names we could have come up with. Yeah. Why not come up with the most cheesiest one? Yeah, it's hey, you know what? 
It's the most memorable one. Wait, did we not get positive responses? No, on no. TV? People, some no, people, no. People, a lot of people loved it. A lot of people loved it. But some people were saying, "Oh, it should have been." The, somebody said the thinnies, and that was pretty funny too, actually. Uh, I like that. One. But that it was too, good. it's too obscure for the for any mainstream people listening. But um, <laughs> any mainstream, any, any mainstream, mainstream king, you know, people have just read. I don't know. Listen. Well, we got easier. your uh, we, we we tallied your responses. But can actually can I break in real quick? Yeah, go for it. Because I was not in the last episode. But can I run down my choices real quick? Sure. I'll do super fast. I won't. I won't That's break fine. it down. Here we go. Best novel, Dead Zone. Nice. Best short story. I got um, Beaumont, uh, <laughs> Beaumont Eamon. Uh, Ooh, the Boogeyman. The Boogeyman. Best adaptation. I have The Shining. It's the better movie. Mm-hmm. But in terms of faithful, I think you, both of you or three of you maybe even made a good point that carries some more faithful. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both great movies. Best lead, Jack Torrance, The Shining. Agreed. Best villain, Randall Flagg. Stan. Agreed. Best supporting hero. I got Tom Cullen from The Stand. Ooh, I love like, Tommy. You're not alone on that one with our readers. Yeah. Our listeners. Um, oh, okay. There we go. Uh, best supporting villain, Lloyd Henry from The Stand. Again, so much of that is informed by Miguel Ferrer yes. in the miniseries. We talked about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you did. But I, I do agree. But you know what? I, reading it, I always love the Lloyd chapters. So there you go. Uh, best minor character. I good old Dana Jurgens from The Stand for, for minor characters. On the... F- was that anybody's a lot of a lot of listeners were talking about how we didn't they were absolutely upset um that we didn't you could hear uh, them pounding at the people they were we we talked about her and and our love for her and the stand episodes and i'm very surprised that we didn't bring her up it's a testament to king i mean he's got Mm -hmm. a lot of great characters throughout the 70s so there you go best uh best said um best hook i actually have the long walk if only because it's the it's the one that stands out the most from the others, Mike. Because you, the other ones have you know the psychic yeah. connection, haunted house, vampires, more psychic, and the apocalypse. But the long walk was the one that's kind of like, oh, what's this? Yeah, what could this possibly be about? So in that regard, I had the long walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, best setting, Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's that's, Lot. I, that was pretty unanimous. Yeah. Um, best ending, Dead Zone. Yep, for me, Dead Zone. Scariest moment. Was it just you, Mac, or somebody else had the Susan and Barlow floating? That was me. Great. Yeah, that's yeah. creepy as hell. Creepy. And a lot of stuff from The, the Shining, too, but I felt like that still stands out the most for me in the 70s. Tastiest Pound Cake. I didn't have anything specific, but it was anything with Stu and Franny. I think there was something mm. about, oh, are you, were you wearing under there? It turns out it was nothing. I forgot what it was. <laughs> Worst ending. I'm so happy. I felt bad for Mac the entire time because he hadn't read Rage. So he had to keep throwing these great novels uh, under the yeah. bus. Like, hey, yeah. I like any of this. But no, worst ending is Rage. Worst villain is Charlie Decker a villain? It was kind of up in the air in the episode. Pretty I know. much. If not, then I think you said Ted, right? I put Ted because yeah, he's, he's not, not a villain. villain. He's not a villain. Worst lead, Charlie Decker. Worst film adaptation, The Mangler. Yes. And actually, my worst short story was The Mangler. Hmm. Um, so, and then the worst novel, Rage. Yeah. And there's my rundown. So there you go. Well, let's start with worst novel for the the People's King. So we want to thank everybody who commented. We also got a lot of messages. Yeah. So you know, whoever commented, messages out there. Your voice is about to be heard. Well, cumulatively, so. Cumulatively. Here we go. The worst novel is no surprise. No. This is also Pretty unanimous. Unanimous. Yeah. <laughs> Rage. Uh, hey. I can't agree, but. Uh, <laughs> Mac literally can't agree because <laughs> yeah. he didn't read it. Literally cannot. Yeah, check it out. Um, then we've got uh, the worst short story. Uh, ooh. Someone said, I am the doorway. Which I know. Is my that fa- which is one Isn't of probably crazy? my favorite. Wow. Yeah. Oh, somebody does have the mangler in there. Right? But the, what's the winner, Mac? Uh, the winner, though, is uh, the old uh, lawnmower man. Yeah. Woo. So, Dan, sorry, buddy. Uh, no one agrees with you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dan. This is for your fourth mention uh, of the podcast today, buddy. Well, this is also another snub uh, to Dan's love also because uh, Wordist Adaptation was a tie with uh, 
You go. Oh, yes. Uh, worst adaptation, we have a tie. The Mangler and Lawnmower Man. And you know, so again, I had never seen Lawnmower Man's entirety, but I will take oh. your word for it. I thought, I thought they were saying Lawnmower Man 2, but that was just... A, no, 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 that's not a true adaptation. <laughs> that's obviously a great film. Nobody ever put that in there anyway. Uh, this was... I felt absolutely vindicated by this. And uh, the worst lead wow. was voted Ben Mears. Wow. That, that, know, that's I, unbelievable I, to me. Vindicated by our listeners. <laughs> Mike, you and me. I, I, I feel like Ugh. out of everybody, I felt like that had to be it so mac did not read rage but yeah mike has read rage so he has no excuse (laughs) because i i I, my my argument was that i felt charlie decker was a far more complicated person even if he was an asshole hey ben mirrors lost his wife in an accident you know yeah but he doesn't say you know it was it was dead heat i mean decker was up there he was second too yeah that's true decker decker came close are you you next mike uh no we you, you do worst villain okay worst villain again Wait, oh my God, there's actually a vote for Randall Flagg on here. I know, isn't that crazy? Uh, I'm, I, I shouldn't even mention that. Charlie Decker's the worst villain. And, yeah. and, and uh, there's the, uh, the listener uh, reaction as well. Charlie Decker's the worst villain. Ooh, worst ending, vindicated again, The Shining. Mm-hmm. Shining. Uh, yeah, I, just, I, just, I just don't like it. Uh, with with a, the runner up there was the I think the the stand revised. Yeah, well, this was a little complicated because we had some votes that were for the regular version and someone some for the revised. So I kind of put them all in one, but that I, I feel like that's not really. I don't know. I mean, that's and they're saying the revised with with flag where he shows up on the island. Yeah, and People I will just didn't dig. I will read a rebuttal uh, for, that we received in a message on Facebook about somebody else's interpretation of the ending of The Shining, which I thought was pretty a good take on it. So we'll we'll read that at the very end. Okay. Uh, but the next one, uh, tastiest pound cake serving. There was no consensus here. It was just various ones that people kind of shared. Um, Everybody loves. Might as well read the five that, yeah, well, at least the five highlights that we've got here. We had somebody just wrote something from Salem's Lot. Um, the mother Abigail sex scenes. Yeah, Dan, Dan's uh, favorite. Yeah, the descriptions of Rita Blackmore, which I particularly loved yeah. because there was just like old, 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 old. look old, you ridiculous. All of Ben and Susan's ridiculous hookups mm. and trash meets the kids' guns. So I would guess the Salem's oh, yeah. Lot wins then. Or yeah. no, no, wait, no. It's th- uh, the 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 Stan wins. Three of them right there. Oh, you're right. Mother Abigail's the yeah. Stan. And Blockmore and the So I kids. guess the Stan wins pound cake. Hey, the, I had hey, I had student friends. There's a lot of pound cake in this Yeah, stand, there, there is. A lot of really well-written stuff. Uh, we've got <laughs> the scariest moment. Uh, oh. oh, am I reading no, this one? Is, this, is someone winning this? or? Uh, this is an interesting one also because there is no direct winner although there's you got a lot of highlights here you have a technically you have a tie between salem's lot and the shining uh but in terms of like actual specific scenes this is actually one that i was surprised that a lot of people skipped a lot of people skipped this category oh i'm actually seeing some scenes here that oh go ahead you read like well they had uh some of the scariest moments were the dog man with danny torrance Agreed. which was my particularly scary moment right. uh danny glick attempting to get mark to let him in that is one that that's I only thought of after the fact, but that was up there too. Yeah, uh, for me, that is a really that's scene. true. Even though it's you only hear it, it's a very effective scene. I think we should oh, point no, out how good that scene was. No, I, I, I'm I'm mixing it up. I'm talking about when um, with Matt. Oh, no, yeah, downstairs, yeah, Matt, Matt hears, hears it happening. Yeah, he oh no, hears he it hears happening. Mike Ryerson. He hears and, Ryerson. Yeah, he hears right. uh, uh, one of the Glicks. I can't yeah. remember which. Trying to get Ryerson, and that that is creepy. He's the laughing. Oh, yeah, that is very creepy. 
This next one is really eerie that I actually kind of forgot because it was our first book that we read. Uh, it was Sue oh, nearly being mm. trapped in Carrie's mind as she dies. Yeah, that's, that's eerie. And that whole sequence is so chilling. Yeah. That was six months ago. We did yeah, that. That was a long time. Uh, there was the hedge animal tunnel scene, of course. which is great. I think mm-hmm. that was that was Randall's, uh, yeah, Randall's scariest favorite. moment. And that was actually my uh, second one. Yeah, that's I up there that for right me too. Uh, the end of the Boogeyman short story was another great choice. That yep. was on my list too. Uh, and this one's really eerie. The, the Salem's Lot with the kids on the school bus. I thought that was... Uh, yes, oh, great yeah. sequence. Yeah, I just got chills thinking about it. So good job. Those are some good highlights right there. Um, uh, let's see, best ending... What can I say? They agree with me as well. I think yeah. the, I think everybody had the dead yeah, zones. Yeah, we had the about, dead right? zones. Yeah, dead zones, the best ending. Uh, we already said the, the best setting was Salem's Lot, only second to The Shining, which I think was what we narrowed it down to as well. Yeah, those were the two yeah, ones that we two. had also. And, the, and the, yeah, the listeners have Salem's Lot, so yeah. congratulations. Good, good choice. It was almost unanimous, but then we just got some last-minute votes in for The Shining. So Cool. Um, best hook is uh, The Shining also. Yeah. I do. Oh, there's somebody that said the long walk in there. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, there was a lot of good hooks in the short stories. I wasn't even considering the short stories for the hooks. Yeah. But yeah, somebody has Quitter's Inc. in there as well. That's pretty cool. Um, best minor character. Hey, Dana Jurgens. Yeah. Coming nice, up. Nice. Somebody has Ratman in there. <laughs> we've, we've made yeah. Ratman the lovable character. <laughs> <laughs> lovable monster he is. Yeah. Ratman, forgive you this time. Excellent. Um, what, um, what's the next one here? Ooh, we got a three-way tie for best supporting villain. Ooh, yeah, you're right. With uh, Straker, uh, Lloyd Henry, and Harold Lauder. It's funny because even though Straker is the dominant villain, he really does act as the supporting villain in the mm-hmm. way in, in Salem's Lot. So yeah, interesting really take weird. on that. Yeah. Next, we've got best supporting hero, and I guess it's it's a tie, but not really. I mean, we got two for Tom Cullen, and we, oh, you know what, Justin, that was yours, right? Your Tom Cullen. Too. And then we got two for Larry Underwood, but I know Larry Underwood was Dan's pick, so yeah, I, I guess it that. is a true blue tie. Wow. Wow. What do we do now? Stop the podcast. It's over. <laughs> if I had to so, choose between the two, I don't know. It's tough because I don't really for consider, me, Larry's a lead yeah, to me in a I way. I don't, I, even though he doesn't... Uh, listen, we've all read the book. I last the But Tom seems like much more of a yeah. supporting character. Let's give it to Tom. Yeah, sorry, Dan. You know what? Actually, we could just give it to Mark Petrie because someone <laughs> voted for him and I voted for him. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Mac wins by default. <laughs> Uh, best villain, Randall Flag. Yeah, and, and that's, that was the consensus. Is Randall yeah. Flag? Interesting that two characters from the Dead Zone were in there too. It looks like our listeners really do dig. The yeah, Dead Dodd Zone. is an interesting case because is he a supporting villain? But he's not really supporting anybody because yeah. he's got his own story. Look, Stephen King's more complicated than we yeah. think he is sometimes. Yeah. Uh, lead. Wow, this was just a runaway one. And I, I can't like. I'm not gonna get upset about this choice. Charlie Decker. Smith. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> Charlie Decker. No, 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 no. Johnny Smith's awesome. Johnny Smith is great. Yes. Uh, Mary's Pocahontas is awesome. Um, yeah, I think the the really interesting thing about that is that Johnny Smith is truly probably the only like true blue good guy. I mean, we've got Larry Underwood on there, but he's got demons and he's got stuff, and mm-hmm. I, I, arguably he's maybe a more complicated character. But Johnny Smith's kind of like the quintessential like good guy. Like, Hero, almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, like like stuff happens to him, and he's out of his control. Oh yeah, but he's obviously flawed he's in a way that Ben Mears is not. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, I I, I personally chose Jack Torrance, but it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, best adaptation. Uh, this is also almost a runaway until the very end. Uh, apparently, we just had a lot of Shining fans uh, last minute, but the Dead Zone one. Yeah, and uh, agreed. Can yeah, I say so the, 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 for me, hands down, it's the Dead Zone. But. Yeah. Uh, best short story, 
tie. And I can't argue with these, the Boogeyman and One for the Road. Those are up high for us. Excellent. Those are both. Those, I think, those One for the, the Road was the number one. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that so was that's our original uh, number one yeah. for all of us, uh, yeah. yeah. And here we go. Best novel. Well, it wasn't what I... It was actually what I thought was the worst novel of the 70s, apparently, because <laughs> I haven't read Rage. <laughs> the Stand. The Stand wins. Listeners, we hear you loud and clear. We st- I still love The Stand. It just, you know, I, I had to pick something. I'm sorry. I, I have <laughs> I, Overall, I have Carrie, Salem's Lot, um, The Shining, and The Stand on the same tier. Now, I like some more than others, but... I, yeah, it's a very good book. I, I'm not gonna. It's like again, if somebody put Rage there, I would have been a little more of like, who's yeah, this that troll? Been you know? Ridiculous. But uh, weather votes. We also got some votes for Sam's Lot and some other books. Some love there for uh, Dead Zone, also of yeah. course. So those are the results. Exciting. I'm gonna miss uh, moving away from these books. I like these books a lot. These are, you know, these are the foundations to build upon. Um, oh yeah. You know, these are the pillars for Stephen King's work, and I. Had a blast reading these books, and now as we're going into the '80s works, it's it's exciting because a lot of it is is very um, familiar because a lot of these '80s works were became quick adaptations, yeah. and some of them are good, some of them are great. So for me, it's been very um, interesting approaching these novels. Some of them which I've re- actually already read, and some which are yeah, coming my up. Favorites. Uh, yeah, we've got we've got a couple Bachmans in the yeah. '80s, a lot more novels, some minor and some major, and a lot of we got a couple uh, novella collections and some more short story collections. So we're, we're going to be in the 80s for a long yeah, time. We're not going to have another Kingies for a very, <laughs> we'll be very long Kingies time. until Man, I have no, no comment. Well, we're going to be 2020 Who knows? We might, actually. It it's could be crazy. a while away. Here's something that uh, one of our listeners, Christopher, I don't want to say his last name because it was a message just in case you didn't want that out there. He um, has some comments on The Shining and he writes, okay, Lucius, I do not have a general ballot to submit here. But I'm afraid I do have to take you to task for your characterization, your characterization of the ending of The Shining because you're fundamentally misrepresenting it. Ooh. You make it seem as if everyone is running around through a joking meadow in long white dresses like they are in a 1980s era douche commercial. <laughs> Very pleasant description. This is not the case. Wendy is still physically recovering, and all three are still broken, damaged characters who have a long way to go to recover. The mistake you're making is confusing a happy ending with a hopeful ending. The ending is hopeful, but it's not happy. You also mentioned that it seemed totally wrong. Again, I must disagree. The book begins with a family that has already experienced trauma and are hoping that their time in the Overlook will help them to heal. Of course, it does not happen, but the ending creates a nice sense of, cir- of circularity with the beginning. Again, you have a family that is broken but are hoping for healing, which may or may not come. Indeed, if anything, the circularity makes the hope at the end even more tenuous, but it's all of a piece with the overall arc of the story is both an appropriate and effective ending. And he writes... <laughs> Hashtag green pubes. So <laughs> thanks for listening, nice. Christopher. But that's I, interesting. And there's a lot of different ways you can interpret the ending. You know, I, I like know. that interpretation a lot. Um, I still think it's the worst ending. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do. I actually, that's a very interesting way of looking at it. And I, I didn't really think about that. Um, having them just sitting there. I just think, I just felt like having them just sit there kind of on the dock, you know, like having a... I still think you need the postscript. Uh, I, you I don't need it. Don't I, mean, I, I, don't I don't know. It reminds me, and I, and I liken this previous podcast to the ending of Jurassic Park. It's very similar to, you know, they get out of this hard. about the situation. book or the movie? The book. Okay. When they're all at the hotel resort and then they tell Grant that there have been, you know, reports of like kind of chicken sized like mm-hmm. things, li- lizards that are running through the forests of, you know, 
Costa Rica. But, um, and it, it, it's hopeful in the sense that they survive, but then it's also like, oh shit, there's some bad stuff that's going to happen. Yeah. So it just reminded me of that. I think it's just, just also because they were both in resort type settings. So yeah, well, I mean, there's a bit of a, if you've read Dr. Sleep, you can read this ending a little different. You'll it'll come at this ending a little different as well because they kind of continue on with young Danny and at the beginning of Dr. Sleep, which I almost wish was the actual ending of, mm-hmm. of this book. If you're going to do any type of a post uh, or like an epilogue, but I, we just want to get, yeah. So if anybody has any takes about certain books or, or our takes, please, please message us. And we'll, if, um, no, look, we'll read it. We'll probably read it on the air. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will. We're, we're nice enough. We're good. We're not, we're not too big time. We'll read your, we'll read your, your comments and, we're, and we'll react to them. Hey, you know, it's a, you know, it's funny. Mm. Uh, we're at about an hour and seven into this podcast right now. Wow. Which means we're only... An 20, hour and seven minutes? That's yeah. it? Uh, which well, means we're only 23 minutes away for how long the Dark Tower is going to be. That's right. So imagine that. Imagine imagine if this had, if this had credits, though. Yeah. We probably we're would be about 12 minutes, minutes away. Uh, well, honestly, though, we didn't have uh, your Q&A this time. We'll, we'll, we'll be breaking that down maybe once a month going ahead because we want to have fresher questions out yeah. there, you know, a little more fresh. Yeah. Uh, should we make an announcement about a new loser joining us? Yeah, go for it. Hey, New loser joining us for Firestarter next week. Her name is Mel. So keep an ear out for Mel. We're looking forward to it. I have not met Mel yet. She, uh, Dan Caffrey, um, uh, knows her obviously a lot better than us. And she's a writer. Why am I introducing her right now? Yeah, I was going to we'll, say. We'll save what, all what, this for later on, yeah. but we're really looking forward it's to having nice her in tease, here. Though. It's a very nice tease. <laughs> Any other comments? We've got about two, another hour to kill if we really want to. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> it's just like the big. We do. You can turn it off here if you want to. Um, I got nothing right now. I'm I'm pretty fried. This has been a long, long month, long mm-hmm. walk. Mm. Um, we got some festivals coming up. We're we're gonna have a lot of Stephen King content on the site just yes. because we have the Dark Tower. I mean, we we already went over it, but the Dark Tower, Mr. Mercedes. You know, we're gonna have it. The big finale of the Mist um, TV you know, series. We still know when Gerald's game is dropping. I, mean, mm-hmm. I imagine that's going to be some 1922. Yeah. 1922. There's something I want to throw out there, um, maybe because we're moving into a new decade. Uh, listeners, if there is a category that you think mm. could be replaced mm. with something else, if there's something that we could lose and something that we could gain or, or a category you think that we haven't thought of, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I just was looking at our, our list here, and I thought hmm, maybe there's a category that uh, could be uh, thrown in here. Uh, also, we're going to be covering um, stuff like Don's Macabre, so you know a different genre of King writing altogether. Yeah. Um, so that might merit some some other categories. Yeah, we got we got a lot of different mediums. I'm we telling you, screenplays. Yeah. We have uh, graphic novels. We're we talking about Creep Show, Creep Show Two. I mean, we're going to cycle gonna, of the werewolf. Cycle I mean, the werewolf. It's, it's going to be, be great. So definitely uh, let us know and uh, and get back to us on that. And feel free to send any uh, Funko Pops that you find. Uh, yeah, with Carrie or the Torrance family. Ooh, uh, we're going to be gotta, putting them in our office. That Carrie one's great. I know I it's great. Get, we're going to have to. We're going to get them get right there on our bookshelf. It's and you know, eventually awesome. we're going to get our hands on that gunslinger. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm sure Sony's shelling out the money to Funko as we hey, speak. Hey, you know what? I love Idris Elba. That's the thing. That's the that, he's literally the only thing that's given me hope for. I this. wonder if there's like a Stringer Bell. Uh, <laughs> Funko well, I could always take it and make it like a custom Stringer Bell figure, which is great. That's hey, what I want. That's well, true. They have Dark Tower Pops, don't they? They do. They're coming yeah, out also, yeah, so we could add those. So you can get it. Are yeah. those officially coming out though? Yeah. Uh, who knows? I thought those. That was just. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, is that we just fandom? I, no, no, I no. Those were coming just... out. It was, those were the it ones that were. That oh, were, uh, that's right. That's right. right. There. Hey, guess what? They're I'm, coming. I think we're going to definitely get the it ones. Yeah. Hey, 
It's been another fantastic episode of the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast presented by Consequence of Sound. And until next time, long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network.